Emanra Petty, television anchor, former radio host, author of Becoming Iman and Sermons of the Soul, and just all round really great human being, Emanra Petty. Good morning. Oh my darling, what an absolute <laughs> treat. Be Kathy Moshashlana, everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was so excited. I was so excited when I saw that um, you were going to be coming on today. Of course, Iman and I have worked, I think, together for a long, long time, but she's really a sister, you know. Um, somebody that has been very easy to look up to, to work with, show you the ropes. And yeah, I'm, I'm so glad to be talking with you today. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Kathy. And I, I mean, I can't wait to delve into your radio family and to be a part of the conversation that you have with people and you hold in such an authentic way every day. And I must say, Iman, you know, um, I'm not quite as good at, at this radio thing as you are, you know, because you used to have those beautiful what? openings for us. Uh, um, the other day I was actually in traffic um, and we we spoke about this with the listeners on Monday and um, you know the, the the young children and and the women that are often on on the on the corners of the street begging. And I remember the intro that you had one morning, and you had a whole piece that you had written about. And I thought, you know, why can't I write a really reflective poem about uh, you know some of the things that we see in our country? But it made me think about you, and and it's part of why we're speaking to you today because you are very reflective. And, and one of the things you've been talking about is is relationships and the value of relationships and the need to show what re- relationships mean to us, which can be very hard in, in the world that we live in. Well, first of all, Kathy, what I want to say is thank you very much for such a beautiful and, you know, a really a beautiful sisterly introduction. I feel you. I've always felt you. <laughs> and when you were talking about why can't I write a poem, it's, it's really about your poetry is expressed in a different way. Your poetry is in the way that you connect with people. And that's a little bit too, uh, to touch on that, little, that, you know, that piece I wrote about um, being a high-value individual. Mm. And before we can even be that to other people, we've got to think about how we are that to ourselves, respecting our own gifts, you know, sitting, allowing ourselves to look at ourselves in the mirror and feel really appreciative about the reflection that stares back at us. Mm. When, when we begin to have these conversations with ourselves, what does that process need to look like? Because a lot of people go through life and experience situations that strip them of, of their value. And um, you find that even at the highest level, people are dealing with all sorts of insecurities that have been um, you know, there from childhood and are almost exacerbated with different experiences, especially bad experiences. So when we begin that conversation of, say, what is the value I have for myself? Um, what does that process entail? You know, um, perhaps the best way is to draw an analogy between ourselves and a glass of water. If the water is muddy, anything, anyone that's drinking out of it is going to experience muddy water. Mm. But when our waters are clean, anyone who's going to drink that, that water is going to experience clean water. And that's really to say that whatever we are hoping to be in the world, however we are hoping to be in the world, it all just begins with us. You talked about the pathologies that are engraved on us from the time that we Mm -hmm. were little. And you and I might have reflected even in a corridor conversation once about 
uh, you know, sometimes in the interviews that we do, how sometimes people condescend to us. And it's interesting that your body, your experience remembers the first time you were ever in a context of condescension. Mm. So we carry these stories with us throughout our entire lives. And that shapes our opinion of ourselves. And then it influences the projection we give to the world. So the primary role that we have, and I think the primary care and responsibility that we have, is to be able to, I don't even like the word confront ourselves because that's so aggressive, but if we can just face ourselves with love and acceptance and we begin to see where all these sites of wounding have been for us from the time that we were young kids to the time that we might have had a bad experience or something happened that altered the way that we view ourselves, mm. if, we can, if we can make peace with those moments and move to a place of healing and wholeness. That's what we ultimately project to the world. And the most important thing, Kathy, is not to be responsible for other people's impressions of us or how they will receive us, because that's their business. That's their problem. You know, it's about that primary sense of value that we give to ourselves, which is not determined by what other people think. And I think when we do that, and then we're in a context where we might experience rejection. So in the piece that I wrote, I was talking about how, you know, sometimes we blow people off. We'll make a meeting with them. We won't commit to the meeting. We'll promise to do something, and we never follow through. In the mind of the other person, they're a lower-value individual. Mm. So how do we make sure that we don't compromise those relationships, and we also don't compromise our own integrity in that process? is by making sure that we are first and primarily all right with ourselves. I love how you put it here, Iman. You said uh, you may end up taking people for granted, hoping that as usual they'll forgive you and make excuses for you. But consider whether what you're doing to person X is what you would do with somebody else that you've been dying to meet or to spend time with. And, and the reality is that we all have these hierarchies that we place people in, right? Um, if, if people have to meet with their bosses, they're like, I, I can't meet, I can't miss this meeting. But if... <laughs> it's the truth. But if I'm meeting with a friend, I, I can be late, I can cancel, I can, no friend, sorry, I just got caught up. And But, but that says, it speaks about value, right? Because are you going to call your damn boss when your boyfriend broke up with you? You know, are you going to call your damn boss? Can I use damn on the radio? I think I can. BCCSA. All right. Apologies on behalf of Kathy and the show. But, you know, we, we, if you think about the, the value and how we create or attach value to people, um, you know, think about the people that we would reach out to first. And surely they then should be the priority in as you, I think, correctly capture it, this hierarchy of priority. They should be number one. And yet often, because we know they will always be there, we begin to take people for granted. They become like an old shoe that's comfortable and you can put on, but you'll never wear onto a stage. Um, that's when we're undermining and we're taking those relationships for granted. So it's, it's really, and, and in this world, right, Kathy, we, are, we live in a society that is so focused on associations. Mm. It's the value by association. Oh, if you can pick up the phone and mm. exactly the networking. And look, it has its value in terms of our business associations and even in terms of our growth. Mm. But we shouldn't seek to be defined by who we surround ourselves with. But we should be, you know, we should d- define ourselves by the value we place in the people around us. And, and if we use that value barometer, it's going to apply to your mom who you can call and say, mom, like, you know, this happened or your best friend or somebody else, whoever it is that's close to you. 
But time and time again, as, as you said, in, and as I wrote in that piece, we push them to the side and we place other things, uh, you know, on a higher value level than they are. It's also about being able to establish boundaries um, and and sometimes if you have been on the receiving end of this kind of beha- behavior, get to a point where I think, number one, you're calling it out for what it is and, and also setting the record straight to say, well, you know, I've allowed you to treat me this way, but here and, and no more. This is where it ends. Yeah, and, and boundaries are, you know, it's it's that weird thing that we, we blur constantly in our lives. And again, it goes back to how we might have been raised or the value we place on our own time or the value we place on other people's time, that if they suddenly are available, we can drop everyone and everything else in favor of them. Mm. And in, a, in an interesting way, when you allow people to see that your time is valued because you place a premium on that value, suddenly they do too. There's that interesting sort of transference of authority that happens. It doesn't matter whether you're the CEO and I'm you know, a middle manager or a senior manager. I'm telling you and I'm signaling to the world that my time is also valuable. It's precious to me. And yes, of course, there, there are caveats to this. If there's an emergency or if there's a crisis or something extraordinary is happen, happening, then that's understandable. But when it becomes um, you know, a behavior or a lifestyle of those kinds of choices where you're constantly putting your children second, you won't go to the play or you know, your, your partner or even your husband or, well, many people are married these days, but your partner, your significant other or whatever relationship construct you're in. When you're placing those people to the side constantly, it is sending a very clear message about where their value is. And what I'm trying to say is, you know, COVID really, I think in a way, in the modern world, reminded us about the fragility of life and the fragility of our relationships, or it Mm -hmm. made us really look at our associations and re-evaluate them. And it, it reminded us that the people closest to us, the ones who are going to bring the tissues and the med lemon and the whatever remedies you need or that are going to assure you that if you lose your job, it's going to be okay or this family is going to make it. We, we spend, in the reality of our lives, less time mm-hmm. looking at them and looking outside. How do we begin to reclaim back those relationships where perhaps, um, you know, we have hurt people by the way that we've treated them and made them feel undervalued in in, in our lives and and in our exchanges? You know, I mean, there's so many ways, and I think people have their their own ways of doing things, but the one thing that you cannot deny is authenticity and humility. When When you know that somebody's coming to you and saying, hey, listen, I messed up, man. I'm so sorry. I want to make it up to you. How can I make it up to you? And you follow through with the makeup behavior. You don't again postpone the coffee or the whatever undertaking it was and you know, promise that you had made. People are willing to listen because you can't fake authenticity. You can't fake the humility of really feeling bad for what you've done. Um, and it's an investment because, you know, it's the same with the reputation. We take years to build it, as the famous adage goes, and you can destroy it in a moment. It's the relationship thing. Again, you can take a long time building something um, and it can be destroyed. It can be quite fragile. You've got to spend another long period of time building it up, depending on the person's ability to forgive you. But in this world of fake and fast, fake and fast is, is, is the way <laughs> I see the world in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, We've got to slow things down. 
And we've got to begin to have real conversations with people. But again, it goes back to the primary person, which is you and I. Mm. Am I do I feel authentically like I'm worth this relationship? I'm worth this association, this meeting? Um, and once I can accept and come to peace and agree that, yes, I'm worth it, it does begin to create this catalytic effect in relationships and with, you know, with people around you. Of course, the relationships that um, we will want to mend are those that we feel we value those that are important to us. Uh, But sometimes what can be even harder to do, Iman, is to look honestly at where things are and be able to say, you know, maybe maybe it's, it's, it's time to say goodbye. Maybe it's time to let this friendship, this job, this whatever it is, <laughs> maybe, oh, maybe it's time to let it go. Totally. And I think that's kind of where I round the piece of, uh, that I wrote to the Mail and Guardian. It, was, it, it is about, listen, some, some journeys are going to be long. Some journeys may be shorter than others. Some journeys may only be for a moment. And when you begin to accept that and release people to their own journey. Now, sometimes, and you and I, I think we've giggled about this too, friendships that become, I mean, I, I, you know. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm saying amen, release people to their own journeys, release them. They're released, you, man. You've got to, you know, because because they don't serve you, but they also don't serve them. And what happens is you get into this pattern of familiarity and a pattern of regression or stagnation. Sometimes you need to air out your house of friendship, bring in some new furniture, you know, open the windows and let the sun shine in. And you are not responsible for keeping other people, you know, keeping other people happy in the sense of how they live their lives and the choices they make. You can you can discuss, you can talk, you can be there, but you don't have to be everything to some people. And as you say, there's a fork in the road. It's time for me, to, you know, as the Arabs say, lakum dinakum waliyadin, to you your way and to me my way. You know, and maybe you'll converge later on in the road when that person's healed from whatever it is they need to heal from, and you've you know you've had time to focus on yourself as well. Because some friendships can be draining, Kathy. Absolutely, and 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 it's such an important thing that you that that you're saying because sometimes um, we force ourselves into these situations, doing things, keeping relationships alive beyond the point where it feels okay to be doing that, where we're working much harder than we need to be doing in order to maintain or sustain those relationships. But I, I, I also think it's so applicable in, in the workplace as well. Where, and it's, it's a difficult conversation to have where, you know, everybody kind of is hanging on to the job that they do have because there's so many people that don't have jobs in this country. But there are also so many people that are literally being killed. Their souls are dying every single day because of the workspace that they are in. And that's why, again, it's, 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 look, we don't all have the luxury of philosophy and the, you know, uh, and, and the privilege of saying, I'm going to choose another job and I'm going to walk out. But in these few moments that we have, before we say goodbye, Kathy, you have to think about what is most important to you and who is most important to you. And the ones that will be with you, you know, when your situation changes, when there is no money or when there is too much money or whatever, those are kind of the people that you need to look at for a second time and say, I value you and I keep you. Um, and, and the ones that certainly are not going to serve you and in fact be toxic to you in your life are the ones you let go. But clarity and open cards, playing open cards with people is key. Don't keep people on that you don't intend to keep on authentically. Let them go. 
Iman Rapetti, I, I, I could speak to you for an hour. It's been so good connecting with you for the last couple of minutes. Thank you so much for making time for us um, on The Talking Point. I really, really appreciate the fact that you've come on. You know how much I love you. I value you as an individual, and I've really always looked up to you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Iman. I love you too. And thanks to the team and good luck to everyone. Bye. Uh, all right. It's just gone 11 o'clock. Let me take you over to Luyanda Maume, who's standing by with the latest news.